0: to rocket nation Saul marquez here i want to talk to you about growing your practice fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that helps practitioners dispense professional-grade supplements improve patient adherence and grow their practice from anywhere when you write prescriptions they're sent to your patients via text or email and when they place an order their supplements get shipped right to their door eliminating your inventory costs it's loaded with features like ehr integration to save time patient wellness content to stay top of mind and adjustable profit margins to control revenue. It integrates with your way of working and with your patients' day-to-day lives. Best part of it all? It's free. So try FullScript today. If you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, visit fullscript.com/rocket for an extensive guide on supplements and drug nutrient depletion and interactions. Visit fullscript.com/rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the pleasure of bringing back onto the podcast Rosemary Day. She is an outstanding leader in healthcare and helped lead the launch of health reform in Massachusetts in 2006, which became the model for the Affordable Care Act. She's been working on health reform ever since and is passionate about universal health care and women's health issues. She is the founder and CEO of Day Health Strategies, a successful mission-driven women-owned consulting firm that's celebrating its 10th anniversary. She's also a mother, a breast cancer survivor, and an activist. She's the author of the book, Marching Toward Coverage, How Women Can Lead the Fight for Universal Health Care. And it's a pleasure to have her here on the podcast again. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to the original interview with Rosemary, it's episode 209. Make sure you go listen to that or listen to it after this one. I think you'll, you'll get a lot of inspiration. But in that podcast, she uh, promised she would reach out when the, when the book was written. And so <laughs> here we are. Uh, Rosemary, such a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. And, uh, and congratulations <laughs> on this big
1: milestone. Thank you so much, Saul. I'm really happy that I've lived to see the day. (laughs) Uh, Getting past that milestone and that it wasn't a millstone. (laughs)
0: well you know what you uh you delivered and as with everything else in your career uh what you do in in health policy and and what you do for your clients and your employees and and really the 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 community at large you deliver and so uh kudos for, for for that and so in today's episode we're gonna dive into what the book is about and also what that means to all of us listening so rosemary you know tell us a little bit about the inspiration for writing marching toward coverage and you know once once you give us a little insight on there we could dive into the details
1: awesome well you know the inspiration really goes back to my um, roots in starting um, the whole health reform um, operational aspects that actually worked in Massachusetts and became the model for the Affordable Care Act and and that um, was an amazing thing to get to do um, at that point in my career. It was an honor to be asked, and it was a tremendous amount of work. But to see it, uh, to see it go into operation and to get Massachusetts to um, an uninsured rate of about 2%, um, which is pretty close to universal coverage, and then to have that become the model for the country was just incredibly gratifying up until the fact uh, that we had an election in 2016 that was um, won at the federal level by candidates from, you know, Donald Trump on down, who were making it their number one priority to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And I sat here saying, wait a minute, we started this as a bipartisan endeavor. We had Governor Ronny, uh representing uh, Republicans and in business interests, and then a Democratic legislature in Massachusetts that listened to all the advocates. And we came together and found something that we thought would work in our economy um, and, and for our citizens in this state. And I thought that that, you know, ought to translate uh, nationally. And it did in some places, but the uh, the national situation just became so fraught politically. And so I wanted to try and have a chance to explain to people why this made so much sense for the U.S. Um, as, a, as a starting point. And that was part of the inspiration. So there was the Mm -hmm. Um, having birthed the thing and delivered, as you say, here in Massachusetts, and then seeing its potential for the country and wanting to try and realize more of that potential. And I'm never one who wants to stay in the negative. So I was also inspired very much by the Women's March um, in 2017, the first one in Washington, D.C., in which I participated. And Saw the power of peaceful protest um, where if you're putting forward a positive agenda, how many people can rally around that and say, This is what we want. And I think a lot of women who came to that march had never seen themselves as activists. So I kind of put that together um, along with, you know, all of my lived experience of women's uh, preponderance of caregiving responsibilities um, and health care on the home front and so many things like that. Putting that together and saying, This. You know, kind of the aha that this could be the book. And I then went further. I, I didn't want to just say, let's defend the Affordable Care Act. I wanted to explain, like, how do we get to a vision for 2020 and a, and a future where we might actually truly get to universal health care? So I'll, I'll leave it there. But there were multiple sources of inspiration um, that just all kind of came together in that perfect storm. Um, including my own health event uh, in 2017. So, yeah, it just kind of became this thing I felt that I had to do.
0: No, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's both very personal, but also uh, something that is uh, aimed at service. And, you know, the really, as you mentioned, bipartisan efforts to figure something out kind of fell apart and you felt something inside of you pulling you toward we've got to do something about this. And so that's inspiring, you know, and it's a it's a big undertaking. And nevertheless, you're not shying away. Um, Tell us a little bit more about some of the concepts in the book. You know, I'd love to take a sneak peek here on this podcast. And then in the end, you know, if, if everyone is is engaged, and you feel like you want to learn more the opportunity to either pick up a copy or get one on Audible. Or wherever you do audiobooks, uh, it's available. So, uh, looking forward to using today. Yeah, for as as an opportunity for us to dive in. So, you know, universal coverage is 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 a loaded word here, and 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 so (laughs) (laughs) I'd love, Rosemary, if you can take that and and give us your frame of universal coverage in the U.S.
1: So I think what, yeah, absolutely, and and um, you know many terms that we use end up getting kind of loaded, and I think that happened with Medicare for All, mm-hmm. um, which I think was you know a great um, you know the goal of of making healthcare a right. I very much share, but the means to get to that goal um, is something that I I thought um, the proposal that. Uh, candidate Sanders, you know, uh, and now Senator Sanders had was, uh, just a bridge too far, um, for most of the country. And, and I, and I felt that kind of in my bones from all the work I'd done, um, uh, over the past, you know, 15 years in implementing health reform first in a state that, you know, is already more on the liberal side than not gets coded as a blue state, um, and seeing the limits of of what was acceptable in this state, um, and then all the work I've done across the country in in uh, purple states, red states, you name it, I've been there. So knowing kind of what I've you know been through with um, the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Um, I felt like, OK, you know, we've got to find something that is digestible for for our country in order for it to happen. And and I wanted to see what what could that be? What what how could we get there and put forward to the readers, you know, um, some ideas that they could wrap their minds around and, and get beyond saying, well, you know, it's it's England's model. You know, or nothing. And and in fact, there are so many models in other countries that have universal health care that would be more applicable to us. So I devote a chapter to some examples of that and say why I think you know that we could bring that here um, and and be successful. So um, I I try to find that path that's frankly uh, pragmatic from both both a political and, and and economic sense.
0: Yeah, and and you know, taking that approach is 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 critical right because the economic piece is vital it's it's a it's a vital part of the um way that we get it done right so so talk to us a little bit about how you see the ideal means to the the end of you know getting to a universal coverage
1: um so i I talk about, I, I love the model of a continuum and there's a, con, mm-hmm. you know, in how you think about a healthcare system, you can be, you know, way you know, to the private sector side at one end of the continuum or kind of all government at the other end. And I think the U.S. has got to be somewhere in the middle there. Um, and, and as I say, there are other countries that have found more of that middle ground where you Leave the private sector to do a bunch of things, because I think that in our country, we really like having the choices that the private sector brings and the innovation, that kind of thing. But you also have to bring government in, um, you know, as we do for the Medicare program to set some standards and guardrails um, and to and to level the playing field to make something truly universal and accessible to all. Um, So it's a combo of keeping private sector for what it's good at and involving government for what it's good at and putting that together. And I don't want to give it all away, but... I
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fair enough. There. But there
1: are some great you know, thinkers uh, who do this thinking in DC who have like put a lot of this together and um, I, you know, have put different paths forward. And, and you don't actually have to prescribe one path. And I think that's what I wanted readers to be excited about is that you don't actually have to know every single detail. We're not all gonna be healthcare policy wonks and some people find that really intimidating. So it's like, that's not the starting point. The starting point does go back to like the signs I saw at the march and the chance. like healthcare is a human right. Um, and so what does that really mean? Well, simply put, um, think about something like K-12 education. In this country, we have bipartisan agreement that K-12 education is a right for yeah. every child. And nobody's debating that or trying to pull that apart now i'll admit of course there are tremendous inequities in the system but there's no one saying let's just cut off kindergarten and first grade or let's just graduate people at eighth grade we're we're kind of done <laughs> we have a, a, we have a consensus that there is this universal education and i really think we need that same frame of mind for healthcare
0: yeah that's a that's a good parallel and and one that you know because it's been in place so long we don't we don't really challenge or or think of applying to other areas like healthcare. and so as we you know are in the COVID era um, (laughs) uh, it's been challenging And, and and you know how we cover costs and and you know the the hurt that a lot of you know providers are, are going through right now. And, you know, who owns what, it, you know, this is always a, a, a challenge for, for us as a country. What other things would you want to add there as far as what the book covers as solutions to some of the challenges we have today?
1: Well, I, I, I'm glad you um, bring up the COVID pandemic, because I think that um, while I thought there was an urgency to this uh, cause already, given the number of uninsured people um, was already uh, inching back up to 30 million, and that's now uh, grown tremendously because of the pandemic. Um, The official new numbers aren't out yet, but I think we can easily add another probably 10 million people, um, if not more, when all is said and done to the number of uninsured you know, the uninsured and the underinsured, people who technically have insurance but can't afford the out-of-pocket cost, can't afford deductible. Uh, so they're really skimpily insured. That's also become a really big problem. And with a pandemic where you start to realize how interconnected we all are, how our health, uh, you know, isn't just an individualistic thing. It is connected to what other people are doing. Um, and the fact that, you know, to get past this pandemic, we're going to need to have, a vaccine, and people need to have access to that vaccine. But you know, in the in the near term, people need access to testing. They need access to treatment. Um, and there's still kind of a gotcha culture around. Even if we say, "Well, we're going to cover that treatment," people may not fully have gotten that message um, because they know that if they show up in ERs, they tend to get a big bill. So we don't have this culture of coverage. And I think the pandemic shows very acutely that that needs to change. And I'm inspired. I went back for the book um, and did a lot of looking at you know the messages in the um, in the civil rights era and the campaigns then that were inspiring to people, and say, you know, what what can we take from them to be motivated today? And if if you'll indulge me, I'd love to read just a very short quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, which I think is really timely. Yeah, please. He wrote, and I, I put this in the book. He wrote about interdependence in his letter from a Birmingham Jail in 1963, mm-hmm. and it starts with this. He says. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds.
0: Hmm. That's pretty I think powerful. those
1: words are so, you know, he, he's always powerful, but when I think about today in the, the moment, this moment that we are in, which is an extremely difficult and challenging time. Um, I, I think this quote takes on even, you know, more meaning.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good one, Rosemary. And, you know, we have a responsibility to do what's best for our people and how we do it matters. And, and, you know, today I, I, I just always find myself saying that, Rosemary. It's like today, because of COVID. But the reality is, it's true. And you know, I think that how we handle this pandemic uh, from a you know virtual me- medicine perspective, it's going to change the front door to healthcare. How we handle this pandemic with regard to how we pay for things and who gets covered. If we miss the lesson, we're gonna we're gonna be in big trouble. But we need to we need to answer the call, right? I feel like you're answering the call mm. F, with an mm-hmm. option because if we don't answer the call there's there's gonna be a big miss here, and so I appreciate it absolutely.
1: absolutely yeah and,
0: and so all right so so um a powerful quote, and I just kind of envisioned m l k and his cell writing that and the the <sighs> time that he was writing it, and guess what we're all in our our quarantine you know and 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 so you know. What's happening with, with uh with healthcare is gonna be a direct result of our thoughts and our actions. So what do you what's the call here, Rosemary? You know, what's the call to action that you have for the listeners? Um, obviously to learn more, but you know, what is mm-hmm. the vision to make it better and to get more coverage for more people?
1: So I I really believe in the fundamentals of our democracy and I've come to see that We're not going to arrive at universal health care, you know, out of some kind of sense of corporate goodwill. um, And it's not going to happen with politicians just automatically. The hue and cry for this has to come from the people. And the people have to push the politicians um, as, as they did when the Affordable Care Act looked like it was going to be repealed. And then it wasn't. And in fact, during the congressional midterm elections in 2018, we saw that healthcare became like the number one issue that people were voting on. And that was in part to continue to protect the ACA and people with pre-existing conditions. That was a driving force in the sentiments in that election. So that's a really interesting example of how in my view, democracy was working to say, okay, the common values here are that we maintain coverage for people, the coverage gains we've gotten, we don't want to lose. So I'd like to build upon that and go further. And, you know, I go back to that K through 12 education example. We agree as a society that we, that should be a right because we are trying to create citizens who are educated enough to be able to be functioning citizens. Well, I would argue the healthcare piece is just as important for that You know, fundamentals of being a good citizen. You, you can't function if you don't have your health. And so again, I find it very analogous. So the call to action is that I wanted people to not shy away from this topic, to, sit, to get beyond the signs of healthcare is a right and say, what does that mean? And what would it take to make it so, and to rally people to the cause. And I I look to women to lead, frankly, because they already have to lead in the home front. And I want them to see that the personal is political. And you may not love the idea of getting political. You may not think of yourself as an activist, but there are ways in which you can step up and um, step up your activism, even if that doesn't mean going out and marching or what have you. But it's looking at things differently. So I give people um, the encouragement and the tools in the book to do that, um, as well as on my website at rosemarieday.com. And I, I'm just I I want to inform people about the issues in a very accessible way, and then inspire them to act.
0: Love it. I think doesn't get any clearer than that and you know for all of you listening I mean you're hearing from a health leader a cancer survivor an author right somebody that that's that's committed to making healthcare accessible for all if you got some inspiration out of out of our discussion today certainly take rosemary up on listening or reading her book uh it is uh it is uh uh, going to be a a really an extraordinary way for you to figure out what you could personally do to to stand up for yourself and obviously your family in today's healthcare environment uh you know can be a lot better so rosemary uh can't thank you enough for for spending some time with us today to give us a sneak peek on on the book and Certainly, looking forward to reconnecting with you when when I take a read of it, uh, and and and, uh, <laughs> and so I, I thank you very much. I, you know, it's always always great to connect with you.
1: Thank you so much, Saul. It's really a pleasure, and and thank you to your listeners.